Happy Friday, and welcome to another episode of From the Honeycomb, a podcast that creates a spark of positive energy in your home to design, architecture, yoga, meditation, and travel. I've created this podcast as a place to come for design inspiration and especially to learn about Vastu Shastra with a modern approach. I'm your host, Katerina Borinova, and welcome to From the Honeycomb. In today's episode, I got to sit down with self-publishing author Tara Webb to discuss how she builds a space to allow for creative energy flow while she writes, to the balance of being a mother and allowing her kids to be a part of her creative ritual, and the downloads she received while writing her first book, Discerning Her Shadows. So let's jump in to today's episode. So hello everyone, welcome to another episode of From the Honeycomb. I have a very exciting guest today, so please welcome the creative businesswoman, author of Discerning Her Shadows, mother of four boys, and co-host of Weaving Magic Podcast, Tara Webb. That's amazing. <laughs> it's a lot. You are quite a busy woman, and so I'm so excited to hear about how you create a creative space in your home with just so much going on. You have a second book you're working on that comes out in June. Yes, Crossing Fingers. Well, good. And so you have a lot going on. So I can't wait to dive into this episode to talk about your creative process. So as we begin every episode of From the Honeycomb, we like to take a moment to ground down and share something that we are grateful for in the present moment. So Tara, what are you grateful for right now? With everything really coming up today and just like this past week, I am grateful for my struggles. I'm grateful for my past in the sense of the stuff that I go through now isn't as difficult because I've gone through it before, right? You know, we were going through those mm-hmm. in our consciousness of boundaries, for example, going over and over and over them. And we're like, why is this not working? I know what I'm, I'm supposed to learn this. I'm grateful that I've had that over and over. So it doesn't get as painful each time. And so at some point when I walk away, I won't have that issue anymore. I'm grateful for my I guess it's my past. I don't want to say my trauma, but I, essentially it's that too. Oh, I love that. No, the learning from the past, especially, that's really important. And that actually kind of goes a little with what I'm grateful for today. And what kind of came up for me this past week is I posted a photo on Instagram. It was a selfie with my husband and I for our last episode that aired. And I realized I didn't Photoshop anything like on my face. Because years ago when I had a blog, this was from like 2015 to 2017, 2018, there was a point where I photoshopped every little freckle on my face. I would just like blur out under my eyes. Like it just got to a level where like I would photoshop so much. And this past week when I posted the photo, my biggest concern was making sure like our heads are both there and that we get the candle in the background and totally didn't even look at like... I am five, six years older now from when I had my blog, but I didn't try to clear my skin. I just posted it as I am, no filter, nothing. And it was kind of this like moment for me where I'm like, wow, in the past, I would have, you know, made sure my skin looks flawless or I would have put a filter on it. And it wasn't even a concern like in this photo. I didn't even think about it until after and I saw something else and I was like, oh, wow, like I was so proud of myself in that moment. That is huge. Mm -hmm. 
you have gone the like reverse of what the society is doing now with like all these crazy filters and your filter is just your own skin that's beautiful exactly oh yeah thank you yeah it was a it was a great moment i'm just really proud of myself and where i've come with that so yeah being grateful for our past and where we are now because it's shaped us into who we are Mm -hmm. and i think that really also goes into the topic that we're going to be talking about today too because i used to be a perfectionist and so that's also shaped how i've had to really well that's perfect (laughs) well good So as we mentioned, you have your second book coming out, which is exciting. And can you walk us through kind of the creative process that you use, the space you create when you sit down to write? Yes. And it's shifted from book one to book two, because I feel like Mm -hmm. something I've had to learn because I am such a Pitta OCD like person. If I let it go too far, I'm very meticulous. I had to learn that things will constantly shift that where I am in one space when I'm writing one book or doing one thing, that the next part of my life that could shift as well. So I'll say for book one, I was specifically every night I had time that I wrote. And when I wrote the entire book, I did it in a month, my rough draft. I came and I had a candle. I had my, I made sure I ended a candle. Like that was a big thing to have that space the way it needed to be. I always had hot water and tea. Like I had two things, I had those right there on hand. And then I turned my phone on airplane mode. And so in the like immediate vicinity of where I was, I had what I needed. I had the smells, like the sensory, right? And then I didn't have to grab my phone. And also having a playlist that's like my fantasy world building playlist. So then my senses are just kind of to where I need to be. That was book one. And it was magical. <laughs> book two, I have... A baby now and that's you know definitely different down and I'm like trying to write and he's like oh look it's your computer let me eat on it because it tastes so yummy <laughs> sitting there like I still light my candle I'm sitting in a different space but I get comfy like I make sure that I'm comfortable in my space I still have you know my warm beverage next to me probably two of them because I'm like rotating drinks constantly I do still play music I think those are the main things that have stuck I do try to come into the mindset of, at least now, having an end goal. You know, where would I like to, but not getting stuck on that because we tend to get caught up on if it doesn't go this way, then I'm not finished, right? I'm not going to be able to do the thing. It stops us. And so I have an end goal that I would like, but then I release it if it doesn't work because my nine-month-old is hungry or tired and have to just put the computer aside. So that's what I try to create is I, I typically have those, I would say, I guess that's what, five, four things that I have on hand all the time I try to write and create that space. And so how do you tell your family that you tell your family that you're about to sit down in your space? And I know you put your phone on airplane mode, but how do you let the rest of the household know? Or do they know that now mom's in her space, this is her time? So when I come into my yoga room, my office, I do say, I'm in here like coming in to be on this with you, you know, I'm on a podcast. Mm -hmm. If you're going to complain, you're next to mine. Please do not come running and yelling and screaming. And you know, my older boys are really good about that. 
And so when I'm in this room, they do know for the most part. Like this is mom's space and the door's closed. She has something going on. For the most part, they try to look. It doesn't always mean it's going to happen, you know, because kids are kids. As far as like being in my bedroom, because that's where I am when I'm currently writing book two. I do that because I have my little one on the ground in front of me and I can close the door so he doesn't, you know, mm. eat everything or fall. <laughs> like it, it's a safe space for him so I have to, and so mm -hmm. I'm still bombarded in some ways but I just talk with my kids in a respectful manner of I'm working on this I see that you need something give me a moment to finish what I am doing and I will come help you or mm -hmm. you have a dad <laughs> yes that's true the partnership there yes entirely. Sure. and so it's interesting you say that you do a lot of the creative writing at home. Did you ever try to go to like a cafe or go outside? Yes. When I first started writing book two, my husband was deployed and I was living with my mom and had only three kids. And I was going through chapter summaries and writing all of those. And because I needed that space, because I needed time away to be able to really focus on myself, I took it at coffee shops. I took it at, you know, wherever I could. As I was, you know, even going in through doing the rough draft of book one, I would sit outside with my iPad and edit my book on my iPad while watching my boys play. That's more difficult now because I do have like, oh, there's dirt and rocks. Right. How old are your boys? My boys are eight, I think six, <laughs> and four. And then my youngest is nine months. We just had a birthday, so I had to think I'm one of those moms. Wow. So that's a lot of age groups to to take care of. But it is important that, and I love that you do find that space and you include them in the conversation. Just going back to when you do go to your office, you're very, you set the boundaries with them, which is so important. And they know that this is your space, which I think is beautiful that you have that communication with them. It's needed because, you know, kids thrive on boundaries, just like we do. We don't realize how important they are. And with my boys, they also know that before coming into my yoga room, they have to ask, Mom, can I come in? Because it's not only my yoga room, my computer's in here where I, you know, write, where I do my podcast. I also have Harry Potter Legos in here that are very special to me because I never did it as a child. So like, and I also have my altar in here. I have, you know, my witchy stuff. And so this room is just an embodiment of like all of me. And if they want to come in, they have to be able to do so respectfully and not just like touching things without asking. So we've really instilled that respect within them of like coming into our space. They're still kids. They still forget. And the biggest thing I have to remind myself is, you know, they're little humans too. And for them, it's just want to be with us. And while it's frustrating when you're trying to get something done, I bring them along on the journey by, you know, reading aloud my chapter that I've written, more so for my sake, but they're in there. You know, I was reading it aloud one time and my son, I stopped because I was like making an edit. My son's like, mom, why did you stop? I was listening. I was like, oh. So they want, they want so Aww. bad a part of what you're doing. And there's a fine line of like you needing your space and respecting that and teaching them to respect that while also bringing them in and letting them be part of that ritual with you every now and then. Oh, I love, I don't have kids yet, but I'm, we're thinking about having kids now and we're in that process. And I'm just thinking like, 
you know, how do you get it done, you know, work done with the kids, but incorporating them into your, like you said, ritual. That's, I love hearing that. It's so, such a positive kind of idea, not stressing about, oh my gosh, I have to make sure they're with a babysitter so I can get something done, but letting them be part of that because you don't even know how much of an influence it has on them for their future either. We believe that more is caught than taught. So you can try all day, you know, whatever you're saying to your kid. And the one thing that they're going to pick up is, well, mom said this, right? Like they're going to pick up your attitudes on things way more than what you're trying to teach them. And I also homeschool my boys. So they also don't go to school during the day. They're here with me. And that was a conscious choice that we made mostly because, well, we enjoy being around our kids. (laughs) And also with being deployed, it just made sense for me to take on that role. I choose to daily put them first in the sense of we do their school first and then I reverse. It doesn't mean I don't give to myself, like first thing in the morning I give to myself, but as far as like the day layout, it's, you know, we do their school and I give to them what they need and they know that I'm there and then it's also pushing them out some to go do their thing and to push them away because kids are likely, you know, to come and want to be with you so much. And also, as I said earlier, I'm so much of an OCD person in some ways. I can nitpick so much and, you know, I'll hear them fighting in the other room and I'm like, stop, just be nice to your brother. Like that's your immediate inclination. You're giving attention to that negative, right? Versus give it into the positive. Kids are only going to get attention when they're doing something quote unquote bad. You know, when they're doing something annoying, they're going to often. So I've stopped in some ways intervening on certain places. You know, when they're fighting, I let them handle it. And if they come to me, it's, hey, why don't you go talk to your brother about that? I'm really sorry that happened. And that releases a lot of that control from my mind so that when I'm able to create, I'm not like having to have that ear out as moms do, that ear out for what are they doing? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Oh, noise like that's where your brain's gonna go as a mom it's quiet you know those kinds of things it helped me in the long run because I was able to step away but then give them when they needed Mm -hmm. no and I like how you let them work out their conflicts amongst themselves as well and that brings me to a question I was thinking about is how do you also in your creative process and when you're working when you get stuck or you have you're stuck. How do you move past that? Mm, That's such a good question because I feel like a lot in the writing community, we hear, you know, writer's block Mm -hmm. and believe writer's block in my personal opinion, writer's block, I think comes from not giving yourself those breaks because whenever you go into nature, when you go into active rest in the sense of like, this is intentional rest. I'm sitting here making sure I enjoy my time. When you go into that, the creative processes just flow. And so when I'm feeling stuck, I go outside or I turn on music really loud and sing and just dance. And my kids looking like I'm crazy for five seconds and then they sing with me. We shake it out. You know, we will move our our root chakras around and just kind of get out all that extra that's just a lot. And sometimes I'll cry because... If I'm stuck, it's not always because the book is stuck. It's because I have emotional things that are stuck inside of me. 
and I can't focus on what I need to focus on if my mind is running in circles trying to solve something that, you know, shouldn't be solved, that I just need to feel instead. And so I'll allow myself to just be in that anger or that sadness and accept that, you know, it doesn't have to have a purpose at this moment. And then once I do those things, I typically come back way more refreshed, you know, more excited to go after what I'm wanting to do. Mm -hmm. I think those breaks are so important. That's so true is taking a break and just giving yourself that space is so important. Coming back to the altar you mentioned, I have an altar too. I would love to hear what is on your altar. So on my altar right now, I have we have a spot that's for our money and that's where we chore money to the boys. And whenever they want to go buy something, we actually, my husband pays for it with his card and they put the money back on the altar. And so this is meant to get the flow of abundance going. We have that relationship, we have a relationship with abundance. And so it's the concept of like taking off or putting back on, taking off so that it's not stagnant at any point. I have some ritual water up there that's in a container that was like moon water that has crystals underneath it, inked up with the moon. I have, you know, a candle and some womb tea that someone made me that's just sitting on my altar. I have a statue of the spring goddess, just the idea of the spring goddess. I have a sand bowl that I put my Palo Santo in whenever I extinguish it. And lots of crystals. (laughs) Just a bunch of like little random things like that. And I, I typically also, oh, and I also have some, I bought some herbal cigarettes from Anima Mundi because I wanted to try those. I never really smoked before or anything. And I just wanted to try it. And I tried one of them and I actually really like them. But I have them on my altar because that's for ritual. You know, that's for uh, that time. Mm-hmm. What I typically also like to have on my altar is, you know, what's going on in the season. So, you know, if it is fall. So yeah, on that I have things that I actually put from nature and things that I find outside. And recently I've been connecting with the deity, Odin. And that's really weird to connect with a deity because it's not something I ever intended when I reclaimed the word witch. And especially coming from a Christian background, you know, that's not something you do. But I noticed that Odin popped up in my first book before I even had connected with him. And in ways like the village, Tuka village, actually in Finnish means ash. And if you, you know, go through my book, you realize (laughs) that actually is really huge for it to mean ash. Varho, which is another place in my book, I think that one means shadows or something like that. And these are words that I thought I made up. They just kind of popped up out of nowhere in my head. And when a friend of mine was reading it and she was like, oh, do you know that in Finnish, this, they mean this? And I was like, no, no idea. And, you know, they're very connected to neurology. And so that just kind of was a few examples among many of Odin, that energy of the all father who creates and, you know, is a storyteller and that kind of stuff. And that's an example of where he's been and, and kind of how I want to start bringing him in. So when I move into my new space, I will add stuff for Odin, like have a space for Odin. And I don't know what that looks like <laughs> since it's very new for me, but I do want a specific altar for that. And then also on the topic of altars, I would love a pleasure altar, which sounds really weird. Mm. And like, 
super out there, but I feel like it's just important to have things that make you feel comfortable and sensual just for yourself. Mm-hmm. Doesn't just so like I'm embodying who I want to be, this goddess that I want to step into. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that you have different altars for different things that you are, you know, wanting to bring in. And back to the words, the Finnish words for the word for ash and how that, do you remember the moment like you downloaded that word and you were like, this is the word I'm going to use? How did that come to you? You're right. It was exactly a download. I have felt like my first book was divinely inspired and it sounds, you know, that sounds weird saying it, but I was like, yeah, it's divinely inspired because it just was. (laughs) Or, you know, going through, you read my book and you see... I tried to make it so it's not just a fantasy that when you read it, you can apply all of what Ashlyn goes through to your life. And that's the whole point is that you bring fantasy to your life. You know, she's going through and she's sitting right there in the sand being like, I'm trying to control things. And I realize that as I control stuff, the more I control and I'm holding the sand, it falls through my fingers faster. And so if I am just, if I just rolling, then the elves will contact us. Well, in our life, if we stop controlling things, if we stop trying to squeeze so tight, things are going to come and flow so much easier from the universe. And so that was a download. And not that I kind of ever doubted it. You know, you have that ego voice in your head that's like, (laughs) (laughs) And so my friend told me that. I was like, okay, that's confirmation. It was very fascinating. I like to make up words. Even the names of some of them are just made up out of nowhere. And honestly, they're probably not made up now that I think about it. They're probably given to me. Do you have any like Norwegian background or Scandinavian background? Do you think it could be like an ancestor calling you? Yes, which is hilarious because that's not something I ever knew. I always kind of felt drawn to, you know, Viking era and that kind of stuff. I do past lives as well, past life readings. And so... I haven't seen a past life in that spot. And I was chatting with my brother just about how cool it was and how it was all tied. And he was like, well, you know our ancestors are Vikings, right? And I was like, uh, no. (laughs) So yes, we do have ancestors are Vikings and that, you know, all of that coming through as well. And I mean, I, I definitely can see that. It just wasn't something I ever thought about. It's funny how, you know, the altar, the connection, the witchy connection with Odin, my book, all of that leading to an ancestry. You know, it's just funny how all these things in your life can just Mm -hmm. be easily connected. No, absolutely. Oh, that's so, that's amazing. So yeah, I feel like it must have been an ancestral download up there, I guess, if we could categorize it as that. Oh, that's beautiful. And so I would say for book two, I may, you know, be intentionally putting more of those notes into it now that I like <laughs> more about it. But yeah, book two is called Disparaging Her Hope. And it's supposed to be coming out in June. But I'm also, that's where I start to give myself grace on, you know, I'm feeling the rush to get it done. But who's doing that? That's me. I'm putting pressure on myself and pressure is good but also not needed if it's causing too much stress, right? And so this is my book. I'm self-publishing. Mm-hmm. So I get to decide what that looks like. At the moment, it looks like June. And after we move, it may not. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is so true. It's like setting goals for yourself. When you are in control of the goals, you don't have to push yourself as much. And I love that you are a self-published author as well. Is there a reason you decided to take that route versus finding a publisher? Yes, because I'm impatient. (laughs) 
I didn't want to go through the querying process. I do have in mind that I want to intentionally, traditionally publish. Those are goals. You know, I have a kid that I'm working on that's, you know, a few chapters and it's going to be a series and that'd be something that'd be perfect to publish. A friend of mine told me I should publish because I write about rituals when she asks for them and she was like, oh, you should do a ritual book. And so I had something that popped up that was like, oh, I could do quick and easy rituals for the busy witch. So things like that, or even fantasy books that are more traditional fantasy that would really nup by traditional publishing. Mm -hmm. I would, for my first series, I wanted it my way. I didn't want someone to come in and be like, I'm going to do this cover and oh, we're going to do that. And I didn't also want to get denied in the sense of like, I knew my book was worth what it was worth. And so for this first book, I chose to invest in my dream and doing it my way. I may go take that entire series when it's done and give it to a publisher and go, but I will have already had what I wanted from it. And that was my choice. As I chose my name, Tara Webb, that was also a choice of like, this is me. This is who I'm stepping into. And I think that just embodied so much. I mean, Ashlyn's story, her story is what I call the series, is so much a piece of me and I think a piece of just people that read it that allowing other people to come in and change it, especially when it felt so divinely inspired, just almost felt wrong. Mm-hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. It's your kind of like your baby or like your fifth child in a sense is you were able to be there throughout the whole process. It definitely is. Yeah. Which is beautiful. Birthing out a book or putting yourself out there as I you know, say on my Instagram, publishing yourself, you know, you're not just publishing your book, your artwork, you're putting yourself out there. And so you have to be really confident and comfortable with who you are. It takes you through a lot of shadow work. It takes you through some of those internal questions of who am I? Am I worthy enough to put something out there? Who wants to read my work? Who wants to look at my stuff? You know, what if they don't like it? What if they think I suck? Like you have to look at all of that and in the end come to the realization it doesn't matter. You do it for you, you know? And so that's kind of where all of that was leading to as well is just in the end, if no one buys these books because I self-published, I'm okay with that because I'm doing it for me. And I wrote this because it needed to be written and I just release it after that, right? Oh, that's so beautifully said. And I think how you about birthing the process of the book, it is you. So I love that. I I just want to say that, you know, I love how your podcast is about space because space is very important. And when you're creating something for you to build, you know, whatever your creation is, make sure that it's not only intentional, but that it's fun. You know, your space is meant to also Mm -hmm. joy. And if it doesn't bring you joy, then, you know, that's when we begin to forget why we do what we do. Well, Tara, thank you so much for being on From the Honeycomb. It has been a pleasure having you learning about your creative process and how you, in a way, balance that with your boys and just creating that creative energy so you can birth your books and your projects and let your creativity flow. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. 
Wow, what a creative episode. It was amazing to hear about Tara's creative process, the balance of being a mother, and how she lets her kids be a part of her creative ritual, which I thought was so beautiful to hear. So what an incredible episode. So thank you again, Tara, for coming on. And thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please give it a heart or thumbs up and click the follow button so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes. And please follow me on Instagram at from the honeycomb podcast. Thank you so much and see you next Friday.